Brother Chris, please find your way in God's Word, chapter 8, in the Gospel according to John. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and he commanded us to let our light shine, right? This little light of mine. Let's try again. This little light of mine. Let it shine. I see we worked on that all week. Just blasting out there, blinding light. We are in chapter 8. Things are getting dicey there. Jesus, again, is claimed to be equal with God. He is claimed to be God. Jesus told of the manna that came down from heaven in the wilderness, and he made this statement. I am the bread of life. Jesus then cried out to all, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink, and out of them will flow living uh, rivers of living water. He doesn't stop there. He proclaimed in the court of the women during the Feast of the Tabernacles, filled with light coming from the huge candelabras. I am the light of the world, he said. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Everyone knew of the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day that the children of Israel followed in the desert. But what did this have to do with Jesus? Well, Jesus is saying, I am the light that is personified. I am God in human flesh. Come, follow me. Just like the hymn we just sang. Come, come, he says. I am the true light. Follow me. Why? Why would we follow Jesus? Is because he knows the way out of darkness, he says. I know the way out of the darkness of sin. I know the way out of the darkness of sad, sadness and sorrow. I know the way out of the darkness of death. Follow me and you will have the light of life. Follow Jesus and he will lead you to life, to eternal life. Amen. Seems like a broken record, a broken record. Jesus is proclaiming that he is God, and he just keeps doing it again and again and again. He doesn't stop. And I believe that if Jesus says it over and over again, it's probably pretty important to know. It's probably a good point to know that Jesus is God. But he does it in our text. We see it. And again, he is confronted with unbelief. The Jewish leaders did not believe in him. They were full of unbelief. Remember what I said last week. Unbelief never has enough proof. When one who has chosen not to believe, they're always looking for a reason not to believe. I'm dealing with a non-believer friend, and that's the way he approaches the word of God. Anytime I bring it up, he's looking for a reason not to believe that the word is true. He is full of unbelief. He is full. Now, now, on the other hand, we have people who search the word to see if it is true. You know, is this really true? And they, they search the word, and they are the ones who usually end up believing. So there is a difference in the ones who search for truth and the ones who do not want to know the truth. The Jewish leaders chose not to know the truth. The words alone <laughs> that Jesus spoke should have been enough for them to believe. On top of that, they have seen the healing powers that Jesus had. They knew that he had power over disease, demons, death, and nature. They were eyewitnesses of what Jesus had done and said, but they were full of unbelief. So there would never be enough proof for them to believe that Jesus is the Savior that the Scriptures spoke of. And so, if you don't like the message, 
If you can't disprove the message, what do you do? You attack the messenger. You try to discredit him. And that's what happened when Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Verse 13, chapter 8. So the Pharisee said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who, who judge, but I am the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. So the Pharisees say to Jesus, your testimony is not true. You have no proof. You have no one to back up your statements. So we choose not to believe. We choose not to believe the words you spoke. I would like to point out something when it comes to uh, unbelief. There are people who do not believe because they do not know. In other words, they're ignorant of the truth. They haven't heard the truth yet. We were all like that at one time. We were ignorant of the gospel. We did not know. We did not know what we did not know. There's knowns and unknowns. And there's unknown knowns, knowns. Some remember that one. But when we are confronted with the truth, when we were confronted with the truth, we then became believers. No longer were we in our ignorance. We heard the truth, we investigated the truth, and we then believed. But that is not what happened with the Jewish leaders. They weren't unbelievers because of ignorance. They were ignorant because of their unbelief. Like I said, they had plenty of evidence. Jesus gave them ample amount of truth with the words and actions. He has told them, if you don't believe what I say, then believe on the works I've done. What did Jesus say back in chapter 7, verse 17? If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. In other words, if you are willing, you have ample amount of truth to make the right choice and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, over the years, I've dealt with many people who do not believe. And I would ask, you know, uh, you know how, how come you don't believe? Have you studied the Bible? Or, or what kind of investigation have you done to come to this unbelief, to come to this conclusion that Jesus is not God? And, they, and their response would be, well, I haven't. I just know there isn't a God or that Jesus is not God. And I'm like, gather around, people. I have found that scholar I've been looking for all these years, whoever that scholar guy is, right? This guy knows truth without even looking at the evidence. He has to be brilliant. He has to be a scholar, one of those scholars. But listen, think about that. Think about how prideful man is. Without any proof, without any investigation, without question, questioning anyone about God, they, can, they come to their own con conclusion that there is no God. How prideful is that? 
saw a quote last week. He said, atheists believe in God. He said, you can't say God does not exist if God has never existed. They believe in God. Let that, let that swirl around in your head today for a while. You can't say God does not exist if God has never existed. The Jewish leaders had more than enough evidence to convict Jesus of being God, but they chose not to believe. They were not willing to believe, so they attacked the messenger. They say to Jesus, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. You know, Jesus handles the rejection and, and attacks a lot better than we would probably. Well, we know he would. But, but, you know, I'd be like, are you sure you want to go there? You know, Mr. Judger, you know, be careful, Mr. Judger. Because remember, Jesus shows compassion to the sinners, to the sinner. But when it comes to self-righteous judges, he has no mercy for them. But Jesus handles this just like God would. And he just begins giving them more proof, the proof they're asking for. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. Okay, Jesus is claiming to be God. Just like when he said, I am. Remember that? I am the light of the world. He is claiming deity. He is claiming to be one with the Father when he says, I am. So I'm going to speak on the I am statement just for a moment, just so I could show you how all of this gives them proof, gives them the proof that they needed to believe. We all know where the I am statement comes from. Moses asked God, who shall I tell them sent me? And God answers him. God says to Moses in Exodus 3.14, I am who I am. And he said, say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord your God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout the generations. So what does I am, the name I am mean? Well, when Jesus said, I am, when God said, I am who I am, it speaks of this. It speaks of uninterrupted, continuous, and boundless duration. When God said, I am, it speaks of his omniscience in, in and for all time, meaning God is constant in the past, in the present, and the future. I am speaks of his infinite nature and his infinite presence. And we can't really get our head around that because we're on a timeline. God's not. So you see, the statement I am to a Hebrew doesn't just mean to exist as other things or other beings exist. I am to a Jewish person means to exist and to be active. To express oneself in active being. I am says that God is omniscient and active. And we know that God is active, right? He's active in all creation right now. Hebrews 1.3 says he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Jesus is actively holding all things together. We know that. We know that God says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. 
one verse that not only gives me assurance that God wants what is best for me, but it also gives me assurance that God is active in my life. We all know 1 Corinthians 10, 13, right? No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. God is faithful in what? God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. He says, he says, he will not let you, meaning he's active in our lives. He is with us at all times, showing us a way out. So God is active in all times. Now back to the temple. So standing right before everyone in that day was God, I am God at work, God being active that day in the temple. Now, let's put the I am statement with light since they're acting, asking for witnesses with light. And we can see how foolish their attack on, on Jesus is. Something we should know about light. Light bears witness to itself. Light bears witness to itself. Nobody has ever said, walked into a dark room and cut on the light and said, you know what? I don't know if that's light or not. We need a second opinion. No, no. Light bears witness to itself. Jesus said, I am the active God, the omniscient God who is the light. The leaders knew they did not need a witness. I am the light of the world was a witness unto itself. So the first part of their statement was true. You are bearing witness about yourself. That's true. They got that right. But they erred when they said your testimony is not true. They did not say you are not God. They did not say you are not the light. They were hollering, can I get a witness? And it wasn't in a good way. You know, the best they could do, the best they could do with Jesus was throw the law at the law. And according to the Old Testament law, every fact in a legal matter had to be established by the testimony of more than one witness. So instead of maybe considering the possibility that Jesus claimed might be true, instead of considering that, they were trying to get a mistrial in their own made-up courtroom on a technicality without ever once looking at the evidence. Listen, in their belief, they did not really want a witness. In their unbelief, they really, they did not really want a witness. Think about how many people would have testified to the works that Jesus had done. I don't know, maybe 5,000 people that ate bread. They may not have believed in him, but they would have said, hey, yeah, I ate the bread. I was there. The disciples might have spoken up if they asked for a witness. John the Baptist would have been a great one. All they needed was one, and they asked for none. But I am, the light was a witness in itself. God does not need a witness. And light does not need a witness. Jesus answered that even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from, where I'm going, but you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. Man needs a witness. Why? Because humans are liars. The law was made for who? Made for man, not for God. If Jesus bears witness about himself because, because he is God, his testimony is true. 
Jesus says to them, I speak the truth because of who I am. My claim is valid because of who I am. Where I came from and where I'm going tells of who I am. Think about that. Who is the only one who has a comprehensive knowledge of his origin and destiny? Who can make that claim and it be truth? Only God, only Jesus. He's telling the Pharisees, you can accept what I say as truth because of where I came from and where I'm going. In other words, I came from the Father and I am returning to the Father. And he puts it right back on the ones who claim that they knew the Father. That's what he's doing here. Jesus says, you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. In spite of what the Pharisees thought they knew about Jesus, they were ignorant of his heavenly origin and destiny. And on top of that, Jesus is saying, you don't know the Father. They knew the law, but they did not know the Messiah. They knew the law of God, but they did not know the God of the law. Just to show you how little they knew about Jesus, they was unaware of his earthly birthplace. So let alone his heavenly origin. You know nothing about who I am as a man. So there is no way you can know about me as God. And as I'm studying this, I said, man, can, can you see the patience of, of, of God in the text here today? You know, we all know that God is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, 2 Peter 3, 9. And, and, and we can see here with the Jewish, and we can see that here with the Jewish leaders. What are they saying to Jesus? You, you are a liar. You do not have a witness. Listen, if you remember, they already had the answer to their charge. But yet Jesus takes time to share the truth again and again and again. I want to show you back in chapter 5, verse 36. Write this in your margins right here. Listen to what Jesus has already said to them. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, what do they do? They bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. Where did Jesus come from? The Father and his works prove it. Verse 37. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. Need another witness? Go to the Father. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. In other words, you do not know the Father. You do not believe because you do not believe in the Son. He said, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Need two witnesses? Here's another one. God the Father has himself borne witness of Jesus and the words you search bear witness about him. They already have all the proof. They already have answers to their charge. And here comes some of the saddest words that Jesus could ever speak. In verse 40, he says, yet you refuse to come. You refuse to come to me that you may have life. You refuse. They refuse to come to Jesus. And the truths that Jesus said back then are just as true today. There is ample proof that Jesus is God who came from the Father. Jesus says, I am 
the light of the world, come to me. And yet many refuse to come to Jesus that they may have life. They refuse. Just as heartbreaking today as it was back then when Jesus spoke. And then Jesus gives the reason for their, for refusing to come to him, come to him. He says, I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. There it is. Why do you refuse? It's because you do not have the love of God within you. He says, I have come in my father's name and you do not receive me. Why did they reject Jesus? It's because they did not have the love of God within them. They did not know the father like they claimed. If they had loved the father, they would have received the love received and loved the son that God sent. So do you see the patience of God? Jesus has done so much to prove that he was the Messiah. He has taught it again and again and again. He taught who he was. And yet here he is telling who he is and where he came from and where he's going again and again to the people who have already heard it. God is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. I look back at my life, I thank God for his patience. You know, I was 30 years old before God shined his light on me. Some of us won't like Pastor Ryan. You're two years old. He's always been like that. Jesus knew what he was doing. Look down at verse 30. You want some good news? Look what he says. He says, and he was saying these things. And as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Praise the Lord, right? He knew what he was doing. Let's make sure we never grow weary or give up on sharing the gospel again and again and again and again. We never know who will believe in him on that day. Jesus continues to teach. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. What did we say about the flesh? Man is a sinner. He will lie. Man needs a witness. These judges are judging Jesus by earthly standards. They are they, they judge as sinful men in a fallen world. Jesus is saying, you don't know me at all, and yet you sit in judgment on me and judgment on my testimony. All you know is external. All you know is physical. Your judgment is so bad, you, had even, you haven't even checked the temple records. You, you don't even know what you could know. You don't even know what town I'm from. How can you judge me? Jesus is calling them out. Do they hear what he's saying? No. Why not? Well, the, they only want to hear the words that they can use against Jesus, not the words that can shine light on their hearts. They don't want to hear those. He's already told them back in chapter seven, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Their judgment was limited, not like the all-knowing God. Their judgment is superficial and wrong, not like the all-knowing God. Now, Jesus did say, I judge no one. The God-man did not come to judge, right? We learned last week when Jesus did not condemn the woman caught in adultery. We know in John 3, 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, 
but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus did not come to judge, but I don't want you to miss this. When he returns, he will judge. He is coming back. What do we say in the Apostles' Creed? I believe in Jesus Christ, right? I believe he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father. And he will come again to judge the living and the dead. Listen to Revelation 19.11. Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he, he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Listen, know that you know without a doubt that the King of Kings will return. Know that you know that the Lord of Lords will judge. But on that day back then, Jesus was doing exactly what the Father had sent him to do. He came to the world to provide salvation for all who would believe. James believes. Spirit in him. <laughs> so, so the, so the judges were invalid judges of Jesus, right? But not Jesus. He's qualified to judge and does not judge using man's standard. Look at verse 16. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I am the Father who sent me. In your law is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. Where does Jesus keep pointing the people? Where does he keep pointing them to? To the father. 21 times in this chapter, the word father is used. Keeps pointing them back to the father. Over and over again, the Lord Jesus emphasized to the Pharisees his unity with God the father. They may have not known the Messiah, but they should have definitely known the Father. And Jesus just keeps going back to the Father. They claim they know God, so Jesus is challenging them in their belief. Do you really know God? Do you really know the Father? You know, right here is a great example of people claiming they know God, but not knowing who Jesus Christ is. The scriptures clearly state that if you do not know Jesus, you do not know the Father. All roads don't lead to heaven. You can only receive salvation, eternal life, the light of life through our Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot, listen, you cannot claim to know God if you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus. That is, if Jesus is not your Savior and Lord, you will die in your sin, as we will see. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. 
And you know what? That's what stirred up the animosity towards Jesus in the hearts of the leaders. His claim of his relationship with the Father angered them. But Jesus never stopped. He just kept pouring out this truth. Jesus said, now here's your two witnesses. I am the one who bears witness about myself and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. You know, just showing how, how blinded they were by their pride and unbelief, they asked this question. Where is your father? I was thinking, really? That's the best you could come up with? Where is your father? Did you, did you not hear what I just read? Jesus never answered that question. He really didn't. Don't you hate that when you ask a question that's so dumb that they don't even answer it? I don't know. But Jesus never really answered the question. Look at what he said. You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. Since they did not know where Jesus' father was, that meant that their father was not God but the devil. See that? These men were religious, and yet they were children of the devil. Beware of religious men. They are enemies of God. They are enemies of Christ. Verse 20. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not come. They have so much hatred in their hearts that, again, they want to seize him and kill him. The problem is, is their, their wanter is broken. They want to kill him, but they can't. Their wanter is broke. They tried three times in chapter 7. Unsuccessful. Why? Because God is in control. They can't arrest him and kill him because his hour had not come. Jesus is on a divine schedule, not confined to man's timeline. So Jesus again gives evidence. He is God. Only God knew what was in their hearts. And so he gives them a stinging indictment. Look at verse 21. So he said to them again, I am going away. You will seek me and you will die in your sin. Jesus to me is like bringing it home right here. You know, look back where we've been. We see where Jesus comes from, where he is going, who Jesus is and who the father is. Now, look at the Pharisees. The opposite of each of these, these themes is applied to the Jews. Watch this. Jesus is from above, and he says they are from below. Jesus says they are from this world, and he says that he is not from this world. Where he goes, he says they cannot come. God is Jesus' father. Their father is the devil. That's where we are. And then Jesus says, I am going away. He's telling them, he's referring to his death, resurrection, and ascension to heaven. He says, I'm going away. You will seek me. After all that they are opposite of Christ, everything is against God. And he says, you will seek me. Not meaning they will seek Jesus personally. They don't. They don't want to. They are full of unbelief. What are the Jews looking for? What are they looking for? They're looking for the Messiah, right? They're looking for the promised one. They're looking for the Savior. So the Jews, sad to say, will go on seeking. They will go on looking for the Messiah. And they will go on and on and 
on and on because they can't possibly find him. They have rejected the only Messiah there is. To this day, there are people who are still looking for the Messiah. They are looking forward. And I want to tell them he's not there. you got to look back to find the true Messiah. Look in the scriptures. Search the scriptures to know who the true Messiah is. The word says to reject the son is to reject the father. So the question is, how then shall they enter the father's house? And the answer is they can't if they reject the son. Jesus says, where I go, you cannot come. This is the fulfillment of prophecy. Isaiah's prophecy in chapter six, the prophecy of Jesus being rejected and then God rejecting the rejectors. God is patient. Like I said, he does not want anyone to perish. And as we can see time after time, he revealed who he is. He taught who he is. He did works to show who he is. The scriptures proved who he is. And after a while, God will take his hand off the ones who reject him time after time after time. And at that moment, he will say, okay, have it your way. Have it your way. These people are the ones who have hardened their own hearts. They are the people who are full of unbelief. They are the ones who, no matter what is said or done, will never believe. Verse 21, look at that again. He said, I'm going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Die in your sin. Take notice. Jesus said you will die in your sin, singular, not plural. This one's singular. What sin would that be? Why singular? Listen, there is only one sin that is unforgivable. That fatal sin is rejecting the only one who can save the soul from eternal damnation. The one unforgivable sin is denying the works of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. In other words, rejecting Jesus as the Christ, rejecting Jesus as Lord and Savior. That is the one unforgivable sin. This is, the, this is very important to know when it comes to the doctrine of sin. There is only one unforgivable sin, only one, and that is rejecting the one that the Father has sent, rejecting Jesus. I want you to know that. You see, if someone rejects the one who offers salvation, if they reject that offer, then they are still what? Dead in their trespasses. They're still dead, meaning they continue to live in the realm of sin, remaining under its power. They are a slave to sin. And if they continue to reject Jesus, they will what? They will die in their sin. The physical death of those who has, reject, who has rejected Jesus is their prelude to eternal separation from God. They will die in their sin. Jesus said, I'm going away. Where I'm going, you cannot come. Verse 22, so the Jews said, will he kill himself? Since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come. He said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. They were wondering if Jesus was thinking about taking his own life. You see, the Jews saw that as an unforgivable sin. They believed that anyone who committed suicide would be excluded from the kingdom of God. They were wrong. 
This is not what the word teaches. There is only one unforgivable sin. That is denying Jesus as God, Lord, and Savior. So not only had they rejected Jesus, but they had bad theology. Verse 24, I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said, who are you? They asked, who are you after all that teaching? Who are you? I feel like a parent. Aren't you listening? Did you not hear what I told you? How many times? But do you see how hard their hearts have become? Their sins is controlling that one unforgivable sin. He had given all them, them all the evidence they needed to know that he was the son of God, and yet they had deliberately rejected him. Who are you? They asked. Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning, verse 26, I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the father. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority but speak just as the father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And he was saying these things, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. The next week we're gonna cover the lifting up, the resurrection and a little more on sin. But I wanted to end on those beautiful words that give us hope. They give us hope for the ones we've been praying for over the years that are rejecting Jesus. The hope is, that as he was saying these things, many believed in him. The power of salvation is in the word of God. We keep on proclaiming the word. And so, and then we let the word do its work. Amen. We keep on proclaiming that truth. So for anyone who has heard these words today, I want to tell you that you are no longer ignorant. You can no longer say, well, I didn't know. I didn't hear. You've heard the truth just like the Jewish leaders did back then. We all heard and know where Jesus is from. The word became flesh and dwelled among us. Jesus left the glories of heaven to come and die for us. And while he was here, he knew where he was going. He said, Father, restore me to the glory I had with you before the world began. Jesus declared time after time after time, I came from the Father. I have done the will of the Father. I am going back to the Father. And so he says to the judging rejectors, but you don't know where I come from or where I'm going. Where I'm going, you cannot come. There is only one way to know where Jesus came from or where he has gone. There is only one way for anyone to be able to go to him and that is to trust in Jesus Christ. Believe in Jesus Christ and you will have your sins forgiven. So let me put it this way. The believer, a child of God, dies in the Lord because we live in the Lord. 
But the unbeliever dies in his sins because he lives in his sins. Everyone has a choice to make. Either accept the free gift of salvation and go where Jesus is or reject the love of God and die in your sins. God is patient. But at some point, his patience will run out. And I pray that no one, no one will harden their own heart, but instead make today the day of salvation. Trust in Jesus today. And I close with this warning. Jesus is love. He proved that the first time he came. But when he returns, as we read, he will return to judge that one sin, that one sin of rejecting him. Amen. Amen. Yes. Thank mm -hmm. you.